Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 37, where I meet Ian and Ilauna, the biologist, environmental consultant, radio and TV presenter, author, educator, and that's just for starters. We chat about her life and background, what we can all do about the great climate challenges, and how we can enjoy nature every day. But before we join her, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Doro Mobile Phones and Expressway Buses. Two great companies in very different areas. They're very good to support us, so thank you very much. Don't forget to check out earlier episodes and other chats. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. So now, let's go and meet Anna. Hello, Anna Nilauna. You're very good to come up to me and not lie. And you found me eventually. I did indeed. I did indeed. You have a lovely place here, right down at the end of the cul-de-sac, with a fine big garden. I'm looking at all the birds out there. Yeah, it's it's great for small birds. You must be doing something, right? Stewing away cats is one of the things you do, right? That's the main thing, isn't it, indeed? I was telling you before. What you want is a water pistol. Now, that's a great one. You know those big ones you can buy for two euros in Mr. Price with a big thing and fill it with water. It doesn't hurt the cats, but they hate water. Excellent. And you and you literally... It's worshipping to see them come rather than shouting at them. Just don't say anything. Go out and get, get yeah. it between the eyes. And they'll, they'll go off and go somewhere else and leave your garden alone. And, and, and then you get small birds. And I say, we've done, really, we've done really well on that. I was telling you a couple of years ago, it was during lockdown, so I was working from this spot... And I saw a sparrow hawk take a small bird. It did, it came over the hedges. You have great hedges yeah. around, and they just zoom over the hedge and yeah. down. But they have to live too. Oh, yeah, but it's amazing yeah. to yeah. see. And, and faster than the eye. It was almost, it was there and gone before you even realised. Oh, it went off bird and all. It didn't wait to well, reason well, there, it, yeah. It, for a stock second, maybe a split second, it was absolutely stationary with the bird in its claw, looking me right in the eye. Let's see what you were doing about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a split second later, it was gone, gone. gone. Yeah, yeah, amazing yeah, to see. Um, so it is all around us in Ireland in the spring, isn't it? You don't have to watch David Attenborough on a telly to see. No, no, that's the trouble with television, because I've done this sort of thing on television, and you get five minutes wonderful video or video footage, and you've been a whole day doing it. You get the wrong impression looking at things on yeah. television. You think it's all there going to happen this minute the bird will arrive you just and it's not like that it's at a much slower pace when you're looking at it in reality and much much nicer for that well, you get yeah. a better buzz when you actually see something Derek Rooney says enviously that they have as many staff on the BBC natural history section as they have in the whole of the sports department at RTE yeah nice to have it um, but listen, we do have a number of treasures, including yourself, Aina. Um, you, you've been a commentator on nature and the environment and climate and all things related for as long as I can remember. But I guess 
really public prominence probably came with the Mooney Goes Wild stuff. Which is 20, ago, 26 years ago. 26 years yes, ago. Yes, yes, that started in 1995. When so, you were a strip of a girl, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Twinkle in Daddy's Eye. But actually, that was that was in whenever. But I, I, I worked in Forest Farbaha yeah. until I retired. Until I was pensioned off by Charlie Hawley, who was tightening <laughs> our belts in 1988. And then I was approached then by doing bits and pieces and RTE for John Skeehan and Dick Warner. Okay. And then... Um, Dick Warner, that's he, 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 Dick had even had a great idea that, um, you know, Derek, who was only young at the time and would be the first to say this, had absolutely no knowledge of wildlife of any yeah. description and had the attention span of a cricket, would do, would present a programme for ordinary folk because before that, any wildlife programme where one Don, a man, talking to another Don, yeah, yeah. speaking about the plants and animals in Latin by their surnames in Latin. <laughs> so, like, I mean, it was dreadful, whereas, you know, people wanted to know what is it, what will it do to you, and how do you get rid of it, yeah. was essentially what people wanted to know. Yeah. And if you tried... thing in my garden, what the hell is it? Yeah, and if you went off track at all, then you, you could maybe commentate on how yeah. they, they mated or their love lives, and that was it. So Derek was charged with doing this Mooney Goes Wild programme, and um, then being Derek and being perfectly balanced, he decided he'd have to have some women's voices on it. And he got the book of women who can do things. Yeah. There was actually a book on RTE at the time of women who could do things. People like so. people like Nell. No, no, but people could do anything. Nell McCafferty, and it may have been she, your old Catherine McGuinness. All any any woman that could do anything was in the book. Now there was no book of men because obviously all men could do everything. But <laughs> there was a book of women. Actually, he gave me the book subsequently. I have it at home. The book. I didn't believe him. There was a book, Absolutely. and there I was in for wildlife. And he sent to know would I come and talk on spiders? And sure, the rest is history. And the rest is history. And that was yeah. that was nineteen ninety. So like I've been I've burst on the airwaves since then. Wow. So fair play. To Derek. I mean, you're as good as your last gig, but I've been as good as my last gig for the last yeah, 35 I, I, years. It's, been, it, it's almost like a bouncing ball, and it's been non stop ever since, haven't, hasn't it? Because I don't know if we, if we had to pick one word to describe you, we'd struggle, but I suppose <laughs> you're kind of a communicator. Are you a science and nature communicator? Yes, I suppose. I earn my living by talking. I earn my living by talking, <laughs> talking on the radio, lecturing. After Forrest Forba was abolished by Charlie Hawley, I um, went on then to you, lecture you in DIT in Bolton Street. We we started up a whole new master's um, programme on sustainable you, you, development. You qualified yeah. yourself in, in... I'm a botanist, I'm a botanist. Yeah. That's my original, but I mean, extra degrees and qualifications yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it after over the centuries since then. <laughs> and I was then lecturing inside Bolton Street with um, postgrads and master's students and, and indeed undergraduates as well. It was great. So that's and, talking and communicating for a living. So that's what I'm saying. So I was talking, talking for a living from, from then on in actual fact and then on the radio then because... Once you got a reputation then for, for knowing things, other people poached you for other programmes and things like that. And one thing led to... If you like, your stuff is very, very current. I am very grateful to you, Connor, for not asking me the one question that drives me absolutely <laughs> crackers. And that question is, when did you first get interested in wildlife? As if this was some kind of a mad interest I had that nobody else had. And I woke up one day and sometimes when I'm really pissed off, I say, well, actually, I got interested in it last night because you were going to interview me today so I thought I'd better look, <laughs> look up something about it. And is I that mean, just because like when did you get interested in you know when did you first decide you liked fresh air? Well, yeah well when did you start eating? When did you start wearing clothes? <laughs> I mean kids kids love wildlife and they're told by their betters, their parents, guardians, whatever, oh put that down it's dirty, don't be touching this and, and they write to me and say oh I don't like this wasp, no I don't mind it for myself but I'm afraid for the children and I mean they're making the kids afraid of stuff. I mean 
Well, kids well, like wildlife. It's just the grown-ups bases out of them. And not literally, but you know. Well, you know this culture where you're going around ahead of the child with a, you know, disinfectant. Trying to keep them safe. I mean, 40% yeah. of Irish children have never climbed a tree, for example. Yeah, I, I read that you had come out with that. That's Well, I didn't personally. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, well, no, the stat was there was DSP. We, they were our sponsors one year, a couple of years ago for National Tree Weekend. They did this survey and discovered that 40% of Irish children had, had never climbed a tree. And another large percentage, like 40 or 50, had never been to the sea. I've never seen the sea because, wow. yeah, I mean, well, okay, you could imagine if you lived in that floor and happened to car or something, perhaps, but not to climb a tree when there's trees everywhere. And that's because, you know, people people have small families now, smaller than our day. I mean, when I was young, me and Finn were cool. I was one of seven. Get out and play and yeah. don't come in unless you're bleeding. That's what you were doing. unless you're bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, we can romanticize that and pretend it was all lovely. Oh, we can. And I mean, yeah. we know, we all know the other side of those sort of stories where, you know, um, children weren't supervised and things happened to them. But we did have more freedom to go out and play and yeah. you know fortunately so, I had a happy so childhood so it did have sort of nothing natural happened. and normal for you to, 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 to love nature there's no doubt it became a particular love for you um, I, I, and so is, is there is there a reason for that do you think that you just you just kept in touch with us when others might have Similarly wonderful, mucky childhood, but still found themselves in an Well, I suppose I suppose it, it went back really to, to, to um, way back when I did the Leave Insert in 1967, and we didn't do science for Leave Insert because it was a girls' school, and we oh. didn't do honours maths or anything. We did it for inter, all right, but not for leaving. And then I was to go to college. I got a scholarship to college in Irish and English and geography, but you couldn't do geography in UCD as a science subject. Right. You, you, you could in Trinity, but you couldn't go there because you, you, your man wouldn't, McQuaid wouldn't let you go there, so oh, right, you couldn't yeah. go there. So anyway, we'd often did science. not only are you a woman, but you're also a Catholic woman. So well, just... I was allegedly then in those days. Yeah. Anyhow, I went to UCD and I did science because a girl in our school two years earlier had done science, so I was doing physics and chemistry and maths. Good, yeah. And then I had to think of something else to do because you had to do four subjects, so I did botany. And I loved the botany because, I mean, I was climbing trees, going to the river, looking for birds' nests, all that kind of thing as a kid. Yeah. And now you could look down a microscope and you could see the cells, you could see how it worked, you could see the whole business all interconnected. It wasn't just, and so, so of course, by the end of first year, I was away with the botany and <laughs> I was stuck with the bloody chemistry for two years to make you do chemistry. And you know, I did the physics and the maths, and they were fine too. But but I mean, went on then with the botany and microbiology and into, yeah. into that whole area of stuff. So, like, I suppose the spark was always there. But I mean, on the other hand, I mean, I was lucky, got scholarship to college, otherwise, I'd have been ending up a primary school teacher like all my forebears <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I mean the ads used to come in or the vets or the engineers they were all fellas to a man yeah, there was no yeah. women in any of those and much of the well the science wasn't so bad because we did have maybe 300 science students and I'd say over 100 of them were women sponsored by Expressway with my Expressway free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie. Doro, make friends with innovation. 
I'm lucky enough uh, in recent years to be a judge at the Young Scientist exhibition, the BT Young Scientist. Oh, I used to be a judge. I was a judge really in the Aer Lingus Times way back in the oh, day. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah. So you know the experience there. But I, I come out of the RDS absolutely buzzing. It's great. It is great. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it gets better and better. And loads of females. I'd say it's even, it's over 50-50 now to be disproportionate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, women are, yeah. women are doing much better now because they, they um, have equal opportunity, in fact, which is, which is actually great. And schools all teach teach physics and chemistry and maths too to girls I mean and a lot of the schools now are co-ed which is of course much more sensible anyway well we're working away at it now but yeah yeah but I mean women that are strong and gutsy are called feisty whereas men are called you know courageous and leadership roles I mean they still use the wrong words for the same thing yeah yeah I mean it's still it's still a push down however however we keep we keep pushing the stone up the hill yeah and eventually and look we're making some progress but it feels as if the stone is crushing us sometimes but if you look at sort of the broader climate and environment, I mean, two things are happening in parallel. One is the need for humanity to change has never been more evident, and particularly if you talk to young people. So the momentum that should be behind uh, those changes has never been greater, and that's the good news. But that the bad news is that for all this, we seem to be falling further and further behind in all of the global challenges. We are, of course, because it's the old St. Augustine thing, make me pure, but, but not yet, yet but yeah. not yet. People see any sort of change for the good of the planet in this part of the world as reducing their standard of living. And yeah. they're not prepared to do that. They're not prepared to give up their car. They're not prepared to stop eating meat. They're not prepared to stop going on aeroplane holidays because they see that as a return to the bad old days. And they're not doing it. And they won't do it until they can't. I mean, when COVID came, did you ever think we'd all agree to be locked up in our houses? But we thought if we didn't, we would go outside and die. We yeah, would get yeah. this terrible disease and die. Definitely so we were content. But, yeah. but exactly. But nobody, it's not, it's not imminent enough. I mean, if you went outside and you were going to die because of global warming or climate change you'd certainly do something different but you don't feel it's not it's not going to happen to me I'm all right my grandchildren might and what do they ever do for me you know but I mean it's our children now and it'll soon be us at the rate we're going a disconnect yeah we don't I mean I mean I've been to Africa I've been to Eritrea I've been to Ethiopia I've been to Rwanda I've been to that those parts of Africa like Twenty, you know, a while ago now, but the poverty of the people there, That's and the the way the weather has changed, the way the rivers, the big river basins, completely empty of water. Like we went in October, there were six weeks rains. They all came in two weeks. Yeah. It's the same amount of rain in two weeks into the down the rivers into the sea gone, and there nothing, no replenishment of the wells, nothing. Absolutely. And that was what they had to face for the next there six was months. An enormous, still is an enormous um, famine crisis in the Horn of Africa. And although um, people spoke about it a little bit, it essentially barely made the news cycle anywhere on the globe. Um, the war in Ukraine was going on, oil prices were going on. But this famine that's been occurring in the Horn of Africa is bigger than the Band-Aid famine of the 80s. Absolutely, the one that Mary Robinson went over yeah. to see. I mean, to see soil. I mean, in Ireland, if you see bare soil and come back the next day, there'll be weeds all grown up in it. I mean, there you saw the bare soil because it was so dry, never anything grew in it, you know? Yeah. And people, I, I, you know, so dying of thirst and animals and it's everything. A, it's, a few, it's a few years, but I, I, I have been to Ethiopia myself and um, you know kind of had that experience and again part of me felt very positive because it felt like a lot of good things were happening um, and part of you would just despair at the scale of the poverty and the scale of the challenge and um, so here we are in Little Ireland are there things we can do um, positively you know can we 
plant a tree. Um, can yeah, we can we can do lots of things. We can do lots of things. I mean, there's five million of us in Ireland, and I'm sick to the death of people saying it doesn't matter what we do. It's then people in China. It's those people in countries where there's millions of yeah. people. We in Ireland are putting up as much. CO2 into the atmosphere is 55 million people in Africa so we're punching that much above our weight when we brought in the um the no smoking ban little old mm. Ireland that was copied all over Europe when we brought in the paying for the plastic bags that was copied all over Europe so to say there's no point in us doing that because there's only a few of us is crackers there's plenty of things we can do planting trees now is, is fine but the thing is you have to have a positive attitude towards yeah. trees and half the people of Ireland have a negative attitude towards trees you know, they don't want them you do one thing make, go, make sure your children or grandchildren climb trees well that's the yeah, first thing to, to enjoy them but but I mean we've 11% of the country covered in trees now I, you were saying I've been on the go since the 90s in the 90s we had 11% of the country covered in trees we have no more no more covered since because of the legislation that doesn't allow and Government to give grants to culture, who are a semi-state body, they cannot get a government grant to plant trees. They can't buy land. They can't plant trees because an EU regulation came in to say that. So the only people that are planting trees are private landowners. Many private landowners, most of them are are farmers. Farmers are, you know, have to earn a living from being a farmer, and a lot of them see if they put land under trees, that's it. It's 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 um. Imprisoned so and can't be ever taken off again. Why would you do that to your good farm that your great grandfather got from the landlord way back in the 18 something? So there's a cultural of this, a cultural memory of this. And then, of course, there's all of these other types of trees, then these plantations of Sitka spruce, which are a crop. A concern for, in itself, that's well, kind of a monoculture. Well, I mean, that's a crop the same as a field of barley or a field of wheat yeah. or a field of grass, and it's for the timber industry. I mean, it happens to have the side effect that it sucks carbon out of the atmosphere, holds it in the timber, and when you build your lovely shed, in the garden and it lasts maybe 40-50 years that carbon is, is held there so, so it's better nice. than a yeah. field of grass it's better than a field of barley in that sense but it's or still not than reburning the carbon but it's not any good for biodiversity it's not any good for wildlife so I mean but it grows twice as fast your sickly spruce in 40 years will have 5 tonnes of carbon out of the atmosphere it's going to take 85 for an oak tree to do that yeah. so I mean there's space for both but 11% of the country covered in trees there's plenty of space for both but we're not planting enough trees. Yeah. So definitely go out and plant the trees. Go several. Plant Where's your tree? I'm looking out in your garden. All I can see is hedges. Yeah. Let he who is without sin. You could put a tree over there. Now I can talk to you about what you might put in yeah, later yeah, on. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Nice little spindle now or something nice. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so so are, do you find yourself kind of optimistic or pessimistic then when you're thinking about what might happen to us next? Our little species and our little country. Well, our big, cruel, enormous species. I well, wouldn't call yeah. it our little species at all. Am I optimistic? Except, well, except perhaps in evolutionary times. You have, yes. 0.75 million years. 70, 0.7, not even a million years on yeah. the planet and we the place wrecked. Am I optimistic? You have to be optimistic. For if you weren't optimistic, what is the point in going on? So, you know, glass half full. We Yes, it's not gone. It's not too late yet. It was, you know, it was always... It's 2030 seems yeah. to be the absolute deadline. That's seven years away now. But it's still seven years away. And it's changing around. Attitude. I mean, it's like Sammy Hall Martin going off over to the COP in, in Edinburgh, mm. standing up with all the other countries, all the other leaders and saying, you know, we will do our best. And everybody was proud of the wonderful way he spoke for his three minutes. And then he came yeah. home and there was talk about reducing the cattle herd. Oh, we're not going to do that. We'll get irrigation. So I mean, that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, this is the thing, you know, it's, yeah. it's But you know what would, that would be a positive one to look at? If you consider, for example, the what in hindsight was a simpler problem, but CFCs and the ozone layer. 
back 30 years ago when that problem was properly identified, actually humanity collectively that was 40 years ago in the 80s and they, yeah. they brought in the um, Montreal Agreement. That was just fridges. That was just that they had CFCs to make. When they cooled CFCs, you could fridges get fridges, air conditions, aerosols. But you still have a fridge. I still have a fridge. We still have aerosols. But they were able to substitute something else for it, which they did. Because yeah. the people in China said, well, you all had fridges. They made this whole other thing. You know, we're having fridges. So they invented a new gas. I mean, the fridges, we still have fridges, but they don't yeah. make CFCs. But it's not as simple as that. I mean, they got everybody to agree because there was a solution that was effective and happened. But, I mean, to get everyone agreed to stop putting up CO2 into the atmosphere is a very multifaceted thing. Now, we could stop burning fossil fuels in the morning mm-hmm. and um, aeroplanes will fly on other means we have electricity for cars we can make wind generated energy we can make light energy yeah. you know I mean why is every school in the country not got um, solar panels why on isn't it isn't every roof tile in the country well, I mean they're going yeah. to do it and certainly I mean Ryan was talking I was just looking at something he brought in the other day about putting um, solar panels on schools but it's all the Amsterdam yeah. to knock it's all going to happen in the future <laughs> I mean if you apply to do something but by the time you get planning permission you put up with the objections you get it done you get up the wind farm the people say I don't like looking at that they'd rather look at a nuclear plant or they'd rather look at the waves coming in the people in Dublin who don't want to be looking at banks of batteries in the sea with tur- turbines yes, on them yeah. I mean they're, they're, their houses won't be there soon when the sea level rises and they're gone with their wonderful views yeah, you know we, this, this is not, not you know stop everything because one nimbyism. objection nimbyism yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so and nimbyism is, 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 is really holding up so much stuff that we I mean we, we certainly you know are supposed to have an impact an input into our environment but every single input holds things down. I was president of Montashka for you five years since. That, yeah, yeah yeah indeed. So I mean I know I know what it's about. I know that you know why are you picking on us? I mean, everybody else is building one-off houses. Why are you picking on us? Yeah. Kind of thing. You know, even though their septic tank doesn't work, the soil is not right in their place, all the stuff goes straight down into the groundwater. And we saw what happened in Galway with the time they had yeah. the, clo- the, the, the uh, problems in Terryland with the... The chlorine didn't, didn't, kill the, didn't kill the clostridium and people got illnesses and gastroenteritis and all this from drinking the water. The only thing that would kill it is ultraviolet light. And they had to close down Terryland and set it up again so the water was actually purified by ultraviolet light rather right. than by chlorine. But the people that lived all around Loch Horeb and in Galway couldn't drink the water for six months because the wells that they originally had had all been polluted by the septic tanks they had in their gardens. Foreseeably, there was a foreseeable consequence of not doing the planning and preparation right. Well, they'd all, they'd all built their houses along and put in their septic tanks and that was grand. And then, of course, because it's easier to provide water than sewage, the, the, the um, sewage behaviour and Galway had piped water to all those houses so they were all getting water from Galway County Council cleaned from Terryland and that was all grand. They didn't need they didn't need to be using their wells. Then Terryland went belly up because of the Clostridium. Now they went back to their wells but they couldn't drink the water out of the wells because the sewage in their septic tanks had polluted right. it and worth polluting the lake but the fishermen were, had us said a path warden up to Dick Roach to explain all this to him and Dick Roach said I just keep shuffling in the chlorine and that's what happened there and this is the kind of thing that goes on not in my backyard yeah, that's yeah. we have half a million septic tanks in the country still yeah. half a million of them I mean and they're all discharging into the groundwater gosh 
When you put it like that, I say. Well, yeah, well, I mean, if they work properly, they're not. Yeah. But, I mean, our people servicing their septic tanks every... And who's checking? Well, I mean, when they try it, they're up and down, up and down Dawson Street with toilets protesting. Do you remember? The, the, <laughs> they had an objection that they were up and down, there was a big protest, but not going to... And there's absolutely no reason why every single one-off house in the country that's built on a half an acre isn't done like that. Yeah. And, I mean, look how many one-off houses we have, and people have to live places, and not... I'm not opposed to one-off houses as such, but they could certainly be all built with these requirements. I mean, okay, they're doing them now with heat pumps and things in the garden for the heat, but they could all have roof roof water collection. Schools should be done like that. I mean, all the water that comes off the roof of schools, you know. Yeah, I mean, mean, there was reading that rubbish in the Irish Times this morning again about the hosepipe ban. They're two different things. I mean, this is the rain coming into your barrel, and you spoke up a minute ago and said you couldn't drink it. So the rain goes into the reservoirs. The reservoirs have to be taken to the places where we treat our water and it has to be purified the people there don't work for nothing and it has to be piped out and every house in Dublin gets all its water fit to drink through those pipes for your shower for your bath for your all of that there's no meter we wouldn't dream of we know that we know because I was lectured in this in Bolton Street one third of Dublin's water goes through holes in the pipes wasted one third of it and we have a million people living off this and so if it's if it is I mean the, the reservoirs are replenished by the rain yeah. So if I mean it's raining, it was the wettest March since records began, but it was the driest February. Yeah. You know, and if we have a couple of more dry months and people are still lavishly but using the water for things they don't need, what do they expect? It isn't stupid of the local authorities. They're, I mean, what is well, stupid is that we will not use a meter to monitor how much water we're taking in our houses. Well, could, that, that got politicised, and you just couldn't. It, the water charges things just toxic, and now we can't even count the water, let alone which is. Well, we can, we can, we can do it if we want to. But I mean, we're all saying that's grand. We don't have to pay that instead of beating down the door of the government saying get those water meters back I know I mean it was us that it was the people that said they didn't want them the people could say they didn't want them well, the if concept, they copped on to yeah, it the concept should be that you know water is free but you pay for waste so it, it, you, you, the stuff that you're using properly is free the stuff that you're wasting you're not allowed waste it's precious so we reserve the right to charge you for that or do, but however all the water, water comes into your house clean and all the water leaves your house dirty yeah. All the water leaves the house dirty, they sip the bit to drink, and even that goes out dirty eventually too. And yet we won't pay for it when we have it all cleaned with expensive chlorine to the cleanest levels and we won't pay for it. So I much mean, we you need, know, yeah, so if people are that stupid, what do they expect? Yeah. So there's much we need to do right. But you know, we're we're a great little country, I think, for being able to have these conversations. And as you may <laughs> And we're great people with the dark and we're because we don't people. have to do anything. But well, you know, you, you said it yourself. We did things like the plastic bag levy, uh, which was a terrific initiative. I have to say Noel Dempsey who was the minister at the time he, he was in on the Mooney show every second week softening us all up for this the Department of Finance didn't want yeah. this Mickey Mouse tax going to annoy them Fergal Quinn speaking up for the grocers didn't want it because they wanted their names on the bags and only mm. for Noel Dempsey was a fellow who was when he put a good mead man when yeah, he put his mo- when he put his shoulder to the wheel he wasn't stopping a lesser man would have quailed yeah. but Noel was was not I for turning well, actually, he, was, you know, he was the yeah. safety minister he was too he went on to do yeah. that yeah but I mean only for only for, for Noel's personality in that I think we wouldn't have the, we wouldn't have had the plastic bag there's, tax there's people here now and we 
need someone like that in charge of water who won't take no for an answer. Well, yeah, but Phil, if it didn't work out for Phil Hogan, they were, I mean, we can't rehearse the, the water charges debate, but um, it, it got co-opted, it got turned into something else, it got turned into a... Yeah, okay, well, I mean, that's fair enough, okay. But I mean, look at the look at the air quality carry on, look at yeah. burning coal. One, over a thousand people every Very year. The, uh... you know, no, no, never mind that. Over a thousand people every year nowadays dies of lung diseases and genital diseases from dirty air. Still, this is not Mary Harney in 1970s bringing in bringing in the low burning coal in Dublin. I mean, this is actually the 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 fact that if you go down the country now, away from Dublin, and you go out in the evening time, the smell of the burning coal you'd forgotten. Dublin used to smell like that, but like in in towns of a certain size and in the rural areas, they will not stop burning coal because they want to still burn that cheaper coal, and the air quality is killing a thousand people a year, and we're sitting on our hands to do nothing about it. This is not like rehearsing the water. This people actually dying every single year from I, this. I had a chat with Michael Healy Ray and uh, he was almost comically the opposite. He was painting a picture of poor old ladies dying in the cold with the only thing they had between them and death being the lump of coal they had to burn. And it all, you know... Yeah, did you hear the end of that conversation? Well, it was this was a conversation I had with. Well, I don't know whether. Yeah, no, but, no, but I mean, at one point, somebody, not me, but my uh, ilk, said, you know, about the air quality and you know, and how it was causing deaths of people. And he is alleged to have said, I have to say, alleged. Now he's alleged to have said, "Well, did die warm." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I mean, there's the, politics and the, there's the, people. There's a consensus, though, isn't there? There's kind of, um, you know, the Overton window, whatever it is. There's a sort of a middle ground of people's consensus. And I think that's kind of moving in the right um, direction. But I think it's not fair to expect everybody to do something small and that'll work. That's what the companies are doing. That's what the hundred biggest companies in the world are saying. If everybody did a little, it would work. We have to have it from the top down as well. We have to have the companies that are selling us stuff that's polluting the atmosphere taking responsibility for it rather than saying if we recycle our coffee cup or if we if we walk instead of taking the car the problem is solved the problem is not solved it has to be stuck to the people who are so there's the manufacturers and there's the government and there's the people there's three legs to this stool and expecting one leg to hold the stool up the people taking little steps is not enough we need to have proper government in place that are going to stick to their guns and not be bettered by people threatening a revolution or threatening an election (laughs) and we need the companies to be brought to task properly I mean the cigarette debacle is is certainly something that we should have learned from and we haven't yeah uh, with the cigarette debacle which you mean the oh I mean there the, wasn't the Marlboro man smoking the oh cigarettes today, and the companies knew very well people were dying from yeah. fags and yet there was nothing well, done about it for behavior, years and years the behaviour of big oil is, it's uh, the same thing they know they know what's going they, on as well they, too they yeah. reports going back to the 50s mm. yeah, projecting very accurately um, how global warming was going to map on to oil use um, and as usual, they found a path to St. Augustine, mm. and away they went. Um, I mean, oil, oil, I mean, petrol's too cheap. It, petrol was too cheap. It's still too cheap. I mean, you pay more for a litre of, of, of petrol than you pay more for a litre of water in a posh place than you pay for a litre of petrol. Yeah. Um, so, five million of us, or seven million if you count the whole island, um, in a global population, that's not a lot. 
But we can do constructive things and we can set good examples and we can influence the European Union, which might be a very big thing. So um, there's plenty to determine. Oh, there absolutely is. And I mean, it's great to see schools with green flags. It's great to see as much education as there is. And there's a huge amount of that happening, you know, at, at educational, at a formal education level, particularly at primary school level. So it's not that the people don't know. It's just it doesn't suit them to know. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose we're all guilty of that to an extent. Well, listen, Aina, it's, um, it's fantastic to chat to you, and it's great to what? see you full of the vigour. We haven't died a winter yet. We haven't died a winter yet. We made it. Um, it, it is spring out there now. and It's um, it's lovely to see the spring, and the, and the buds are all coming. I love this time of the year when the buds are opening, and it's, you're full of optimism. You know, by the time it gets to October, what kind of a year has it been? But in April, it's a possibility. It's all in front of you. The leaves are bursting out you yeah. know the flowers are coming up the birds are all singing they're looking for mates they're all up and at it yeah. you know why wouldn't oh yeah I love the long evenings I hope they never go away with that <laughs> putting back the air and bringing the air forward it's great to suddenly have it bright right up to later on rather than having it darker earlier so you know there's yeah. two there's two goldfinches just flew past you have a lovely yeah. garden here indeed yeah. ah yes I mean this chap and Eric you know our doi made my hole so our holes and our crees are our doi I'm sure at this point fantastic and it is the heart and soul of Ireland as well um, well listen Aina thanks a million for dropping up for the chat uh, lovely to talk to you and uh, I'll listen out for, for um, your, your marking politicians cards and telling us all what to do with and my new books that are all coming out oh the new books are all coming oh, out oh yeah about two, two coming out this year one, one um, called Wild Music where um, a series of articles I wrote for a magazine all put together in a book that's coming out by Beehive and I've written a children's book or you know our wonderful world or something they're calling it oh, about all you. the mad things that wildlife do that you don't read in ordinary books but I won't give you any more than that I won't give it away you'll have to buy it to your grandchildren you're, you're, you're someone for energy did I read somewhere that you randomly learned how to play the flute during lockdown well I was asked that I don't know the meaning of the word no my son says which bit do you not understand the N or the O and I learned how to play the flute, the silver flute. And from nowhere, from, oh, yeah, from nowhere. Tin whistle as a child. No, I didn't even do that. tin I had an accordion where the buttons were there. But this I had to play and I'm tone deaf, but I managed it. And I got grade one with distinction. I have this thing framed on the wall. I was never as proud as anything in my life. It was great. Yeah, it was a whole year doing that. But your energy is fantastic. Uh, listen, Aina, thanks a million and, and lovely to have the chat. So that's Aina Nilauna. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let me know if you have any thoughts on the podcasts. Get in touch on connorfalken at gmail.com. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Doro Mobile Phones and to Expressway Buses. And we're done. Drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. The 50 Plus Show is back at the RDS. It's your event and it's free. Friday the 14th and Saturday the 15th of April from 10.30 at the RDS in Dublin. For full details, go to seniortimes.ie.